0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Who's enjoying our summer at the movie series? First, I want to welcome back our youth through our youth camp this weekend. Did y'all have a good time? I was not there this year. Dead gum sure missed it maybe next time i'll go and stay up all night and s- sleep in a room full of boys with foul smells and whatever else. <laughs> summer at the movies well we've had a lot of folks turn out on wednesday night to watch our movies how many of you came and enjoyed the movie lion last week wasn't that good Each week we've had 80 to 90 people out here on Wednesday night watching the movie with us. And we've had a great time. What did we watch week one? Greatest Showman. Showman. Week two? Hidden Figures. Figures. And then last week was Lion. And we have done three movies based on true stories. And we're going to change things up. We're going to go fiction this time. And some of you will be happy and some of you will be like, what? What? but that's all right. But I thought we would start off the summer doing, doing something fun and talking about movies. I don't know, many of us love movies. I'm a movie buff. I love movies. And I learned so much from movies. God speaks to me through, so much through movies that maybe didn't have anything to do with God. It may have been written by an atheist. But how many of you know if our ears are open as believers, God's going to speak to us? So we're uh, going into a new movie today. And um, as I have mentioned each week, let me mention to those watching online, we do have a, we do have a handful of people watching online this morning. And uh, sorry again, but again, we cannot stream the clips, the movie clips uh, over the internet. So uh, you will, um, the camera will stay right here and you will hear the audio, but you will not see the video because of uh, copyright and licensing issues in that. So um, how many of you are ready? How many of you actually voted online, get, tried to guess what movie it was this week? Okay, it was quite a few. I know uh, Jerry won last week. He he picked the movie Lion. And so y'all ready for something different? Let's hit it Miss Kim.
1: Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing, but I've got nothing to fight for. Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish... what you started. There are stories about what happened.
0: people got the movie right this week, but Billy Hampton was number one. He got it first. And let me mention, he was the very first guest, the very first person. So here's a $25 gift card to Malco Theaters. And actually, Missy was the other one. Missy got it. So... uh so I, I, I know when I, I my our clue this week on Facebook was a J.J. Abrams film that narrowed it down to about 30. And some of you were like, gosh, that many? How are we supposed to pick? I was like, somebody will get it. That's all right. And it was the very first one. So how many of you would say that you are a Star Wars fan? Okay. All right. How many of you are closet Star Wars fans? <laughs> you really do kind of like it, but you don't want to be the nerd. But <laughs> I grew up... Um, my dad grew up watching the, the Star Trek. Well, what two years of, of Star Trek back in the 1950s, and he he loved that. And he got me watching the reruns, and I got all into sci-fi and and um, and Star Wars. Uh, man, I, I bought into to Star Wars. Star Wars, Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. Y'all know that there were there were six films, right? The original three films, you know, George Lucas did starting in 1977, which were Episode Four, Five, and Six. Went back and and did uh, Episodes One, Two, and Three. Uh, This is the first one that he was not involved in. And it was uh, released December 18th of 2015. Made a record-breaking $57 million from the Thursday night preview alone. It sold close to 110 million tickets in North America, the most tickets sold by any film in North America since Titanic in 1997. Now, this movie was highly anticipated because um, all of us who grew up watching Star Wars in the 70s and 80s know that this film t- picked up where uh, the first of the original three films left off. It left off. It picked up where Return of the Jedi left off. We know that Luke had helped take down the Empire. And so everybody's wondering, what in the world happened to, to Luke and Leia and Han and all these? What ha- so this is the first time this story was actually written. So it was highly anticipated. And you want to know how I know? Go ahead and put up the first picture there, this um, Kim. I think that was 1980. Empire Strikes Back had just come ba- out, and I was a Master Yoda fan. Show the next picture. There and with my, with my mask on. I didn't have to search very far. And go ahead and show the last one. This was Christmas of that same year, me and my cousin Wesley, and we got, we got uh, snow speeders. If you all remember those from Empire Strikes Back, we got snow speeders, and, and those little guns lit up on the front, and you could put Luke down right in the cockpit, and it was awesome. It was awesome. I I wish I still had them because they are worth money today. Those original Star Wars toys that I have buried in yards all over the Memphis area, man, they'd be worth a ton today. Anyway, um, so my kids are now Star Wars fans, all of them. We always go opening weekend whenever a Star Wars movie comes out and uh, and go see the, the latest one. But I want to, before I get into the message, really, I, I need to set this up for you because there's some of you who are, not, um, who are not big Star Wars fans, but everybody knows who Luke Skywalker is, right? Regardless of whether you are really a Star Wars fan or not, you've at least heard of Luke. Luke is the key figure in those original three films. And how many of you know at the beginning of a Star Wars movie, it says Lucas Films. And then it comes up, with the Star Wars thing, and it starts what they call the crawl up the screen that gives you the synopsis of the movie, right? And so in that crawl at the beginning of this movie, it tells us that Luke Skywalker has vanished, and in his absence, this new organization called the First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire. And the First Order will not rest until Luke, who's the last of the Jedi Knights, has been destroyed. And then with the support of the Republic, we know in the old movies that was the Rebels, with the support of the Republic, uh, General Leia, we know who Princess Leia is, right? She's now General of the Republic. Um, She leads the Resistance, and she's desperate to find her brother Luke because he's disappeared and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to the planet of Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. So in this movie, I was thinking... Firstly, why is, this, why is everybody searching for Luke? Luke's old now. His hero days are long past. But everybody's searching for him. The bad guys are looking for him, trying to take him out. And the good guys are looking for him, trying to get his help. Why were they looking for him? Because he was what they called a Jedi master. He was, uh, he was the last of the Jedi knights. They would say he was strong in the ways of the force. He studied the ways of the force. And he used the force for good. Now, when George Lucas wrote these movies, he certainly didn't intend for them to be a Christian theme in the midst of this. As a matter of fact, if you look at interviews with him, he talks about even his, his idea of the force, he based it on several different religions. He said Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity is, is what he looked at when he, he wrote the idea for, uh, for the force. However, there are many Christian themes Throughout the films, And I think the most obvious parallel that we see in the Star Wars movies, that you see all through all of them, um, is this whole battle between good and evil. This battle between light and darkness. And you have this concept of, of the Force. And we know since 1977, um, since um, Obi-Wan Kenobi in 1977, with that first Star Wars film, said one line that has now been repeated billions of times in our world. He says, may the force, what? May the force be with you. Some of you have never seen a Star Wars movie, but you know that line, may the force be with you. What in the world is the force? Well, in the films, it's described as some type of energy field that connects everything in the galaxy. Guys, I'm not going some kind of weird Eastern religion here or anything, okay? We're talking about spiritual parallels. But it talks about this this energy field that connects everything in the galaxy. There were people who were sensitive to the force. And with it, when they were were sensitive to it and were trained, they kind of learned to rely on it to sort of bend the laws of nature and to harness a power beyond themselves. Jedi Knights were force-sensitive people who were selfless and trained in the ways of the force, and they helped to keep order in the galaxy. They were loved and they were feared throughout the galaxy. So when it comes to this whole concept of the force, that's intrigued me since that, actually, I was too young. I was born in 75, so I probably didn't see, I don't know if I saw the first movie in the theaters or not. But, uh, but anyway, when this whole concept of the force was always, you know, if you grew up on Star Wars, it was always the coolest things, this, this, this power that these people harnessed. But when it comes to the whole concept of the force, what is the obvious parallel for us as believers today? Obviously, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? As Christians, it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Where in the Star Wars movies, you see the Force. Jedi Knights were led and guided by the Force. As we surrender to Jesus, he, and as we surrender to the Holy Spirit, he uses us to draw others out of darkness and into the light, to bring us back to the source of all creation, which is the Creator, right? So I'm going to talk for a few minutes about this struggle between good and evil and darkness and light and what it looks like for the believer. And really, I'll tell you, out of the last few messages, this was probably the most difficult because it was really, um, I think it's so relevant today and where we are in the church today. Uh, people don't realize, that's actually, I'm, I'm calling this, this message, Don't Be Seduced. I think there's a lot of seduction today. I think there's a lot of seduction within the church today. I think there's a lot of deception and I think that we've really got to get a hold of this. And this just became way too big for me, and I had to rein it in. And I, I, I may have to do a series soon and, and talk about this some. But the, kind of the key scripture we're going to follow here is John 1 5. And you did get a note sheet you can follow along with, it was in your service guide. You can also follow along on the U version on the Bible app that's on your, your iPhone or your Android devices. The notes are in there if you go under events. But John 1 5 from the English Standard Version says, The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Don't be seduced. I'm going to give you, just as I have the last few weeks, I'm going to give you three points, and we're going to watch three clips, and then y'all can come out Wednesday and watch the, watch the whole movie, as a Star Wars movie should be watched, on the big screen, with big sound. So the, so the three points, starting start with number one for today, talking about light and darkness. Number one, being a follower of Jesus means walking in the light. There's no other way to it. Being a follower of Jesus means you walk in the light. First John 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So that's what I want to establish first. First of all, first off, we've got to understand that God is light. It's not that he likes the light. It's not that he likes to live in the light. It's not that he likes to lay out in the light. He is the light. He is light. Does this make sense? And we're gonna kind of come back to that in a minute. But what's one thing that cannot be present in the light? Darkness. That's gonna be key. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump right in and we're going to look at, um, we're going to watch the first clip here right quick. So go ahead and go ahead and hit that.
1: What was that? I shouldn't have gone in there. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him and now it calls to you. I have to get back to Jakku. Han told me. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. There's someone who still could. Look. The belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through and surrounds every living thing. Close your eyes. Feel it. The light. It's always been there. It will guide you. The saber.
0: Take it. I love that line. The belonging you seek is not behind you, it's ahead. Close your eyes and feel it, the light. It's always been there. And, hey, sorry again about the lights. We're still getting that fixed. <laughs> um, this whole thing, you know, people say to me, how do I know that God is real? God's never spoken to me. I've never felt God before. Let me say, you've probably never really tried. I've I've talked to people before who are are coming up and they're, they're praying to receive something from God. They're desperate to receive something. But how many of you know that you can get so desperate and you're trying so hard that you completely miss what's right in front of you? That's why I've gotten to where, you know, when I talk to somebody and somebody's like that, and they're just tense looking for God, just tense. Where, God, are you real? Where are you? Come through for me. And I'm always like, you got to relax. I, I've gotten to where when I pray with people, a lot of times now I'll tell them, close your eyes and take a deep breath. Let everything else fall away for a minute. Reach out with your spirit. Truly seek for just a moment. Still yourself. How I many you know it's really hard to still ourselves today? Everything's going at a million miles an hour around us. The the reality is, like just like she said, the light has always been there. I believe that all of creation knows its creator, and that includes the biggest atheist that's ever lived. They know their creator. If they dig deep enough for just a moment, the presence of God will be there. If they truly seek, you understand what I'm saying. We've been created to follow the light. Our calling is to be in the light, and God is that light. Now, I'm going to give you a few scriptures here real quick. Like I say, you can follow along in your notes, but Isaiah 2, 5, O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. John 1.9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And, of course, we know there that it's talking about Jesus, right? John 8.12, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You know what I love about this scripture is he says that as we followed him, we were in darkness, but as we followed him, we are now light in the Lord. And then we're given a command. We're told to walk in, walk as children of the light. That means we no longer walk in the ways of darkness, but we make the, we make the conscious choice that we're going to walk as children of the light that we now are. Does this make sense? All making the point, being a follower of Jesus means walking in the light. There's not even really a gray area. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. Say, that's me. A city sit on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, what does that mean? Walking as children of the light, that means that our light shines so the whole world can see. We're a beacon. We're a city sitting on a hill. You ever been out in the middle of the night and you're driving a long distance and suddenly you know you're coming near the city because you see the halo of light in the sky overhead? That is us in this dark world. As people approach us, the light should get brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's because we're followers of Jesus. Walking in the light means that we recognize Jesus as the light of the world. And we walk in that light by following his precepts, by living in his power, and by growing in his grace. That's our responsibility as believers. We can't live the way we used to when we walked in darkness. We have responsibility and we have purpose. We're not alone and we belong. We have have purpose. There's a plan. You remember um, what, what Moz said to Ray in that clip. She said, the belonging you seek is not behind you. It's ahead in the light. As we continue to strive to follow Jesus more closely, we're going to be walking more and more in the light every day. There really should be less and less darkness in us. So point number one, being a follower of Jesus means we walk in the light. If you're here and you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, that means that your responsibility to walk in the light, to be the light. Number two, the darkness will be always be waiting to seduce you. The darkness will always be waiting to seduce you. It's not something that we normally consciously just jump into. You understand what seduction is? You know what deception is? That's the thing here. And actually, before we go on, just let's go ahead and play that, that, next, that next clip with uh, Han and Leia.
1: I know every time you... Every time you look at me, you're reminded of him. You think I want to forget him? I want him back. There's nothing more we could have done. There's too much Vader in him. That's why I wanted him to train with Luke. I just never should have sent him away. That's when I lost him. That's when I lost you both. We both had to deal with it in our own way. I went back to the only thing I was ever any good at. We both did. We lost our son forever. No way. It was Snoke. He seduced our son to the dark side. But we can still save him. Me, you. If Luke couldn't reach him, how could I? Luke is a Jedi. You're his father. There's still light in him. I know it.
0: So this is the first point in the movie where you find out that the the big bad guy who's replaced Darth Vader, we know Darth Vader's dead, right? The The big bad guy, Kylo Ren, we find out that it's Luke and Leia's son. And in the discussion there, and you find out in the movie that was just released this past fall, that, um, that they recognized, Leia, his mother, recognized at a, a very young age that he was sensitive to the force, he was very strong in the force, and so sent him to Luke to be, uh, to be trained, because Luke was the, one of the last of the Jedi Masters, and, so, and Luke is her brother, so she sent him to Luke to be, to be trained. But we know somewhere along the way, uh, Kylo Ren ended up being seduced by the power of the darkness and then everything changed, and that's what they're talking about in that. One of the key themes in the Star Wars movies all the way through has always been that the seduction of darkness, that that uh, the children of light can be seduced by the power of darkness. And obviously, you know, this is what happened. You see all the bad guys in Star Wars films. Most of them, they didn't start off as bad guys, but they were seduced by the darkness, and that's when everything began to change. But you also see through the movies all these good guys even the Jedi Knights are always having to resist the darkness because it it's always there, tempting them and trying to draw them uh, into the darkness. And we know that in, from the movies, some of you may remember, but we all, all know that, that Luke's father was Darth Vader, right? But before he was Darth Vader, he was Anakin Skywalker. And Anakin Skywalker was trained to be a Jedi Knight, but he was seduced to the darkness really by pride. And uh, went on to do unspeakable evils. But if we jump back, you know, we look at the Bible. This is a common theme all through the Bible. We see the same thing from the very beginning of time. If you look at, start in the third chapter of your Bible sitting there, we see seduction by darkness. Adam and Eve, they're given everything, created in the image of God, given everything they would ever need. They were blessed. They walked and talked with God. And what happened? They were seduced. They were seduced by selfishness. We, you go all the way through the Bible, and there's so many cases, so many, so many um, different examples. I was, thinking of, uh, you know, I was thinking of Samson, so powerful by the Spirit of God, but he was seduced by the power of darkness. You think about Saul. Saul was appointed to be the very first king of Israel, and he was appointed by God, right? And he was seduced by the darkness. You go to David, a man after God's own heart. He was seduced by the darkness. You look at his son Solomon. I remember learning about Solomon as a kid. You know, in children's church, they teach you about the wisdom of Solomon. They never tell you about how his life ended up. Boy, that's sad. Actually, we'll look at it real quick. Uh, I think it's in your notes. I'm not sure. 1 Kings eleven four 4 through 6 says, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not was not wholly true to the Lord his God. So was the heart of David his father, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth the goddess of the Sidonians and Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord, so as David his father had done. Solomon Solomon was seduced by women. It's his weakness. As a matter of fact, we know if you look at it, if you look at the story, uh, he married contrary to the will of God. God had said not to marry, for them to marry foreign women who, who worshipped other gods. And he most certainly did. And it turned his heart away from God. He was seduced by the darkness. I was thinking, you know, we've even got some of the disciples of Jesus we look at. You know, I, I, I got to believe that early on that Judas, man, he loved Jesus. He followed Jesus. He was there with him for, you know, several years but he was seduced by the darkness and ends up betraying him, right? You, go into, you look at Peter, seduced by fear into denying the Messiah three times. This isn't anything new, right? The darkness is always there waiting to seduce us. What exactly is the seduction? Well, you find it in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It says, And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Have you know, when darkness comes and seduces us, it always looks good. It always looks good. And I read, I don't know where I found this line, but I thought this was awesome. It says, darkness gets us to focus on the rewards of the immediate without weighing the consequences of the long term. Darkness gets us to focus on the rewards of the immediate without weighing the consequences of the long term. We always have a good reason for why this is a good idea. Right? And usually we replay those excuses over and over again because we know it's a bad idea. Right? But we can convince anybody around us why this is a good choice to make. When we know down deep, it's probably not. I was thinking about Adam and Eve again in the garden. Think about what they would have said in that moment if they lived today. Well, God said we weren't supposed to eat of the tree. But look how good that fruit looks. See how much there is? I, probably nobody even noticed. When he said don't eat of it, he meant on a regular basis, right? We're not going to make meals of it, but, you know. But he probably do not even care if we take just one. I mean, I know what he said, but, right? It's only a piece of fruit. There's plenty more. What's the big deal? Plus, the serpent said we would be like God. Let's just, let's just try it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it and ask forgiveness later, Right? I was thinking about how often we do this exact same thing in life. You know, it's funny because we can look at Adam and Eve, and we can be like, how stupid were they? Just don't eat the fruit. Eat from one of the other 15 million trees in the garden. Just don't eat the fruit. They messed it up for all of us. Guys, if they didn't mess it up, I would have done it. You would have done it. Would have been seduced by the darkness, right? I was thinking about this. I was even thinking, You know, we do a lot of marriage counseling and things. And it's so funny how many times, it's not funny, it's sad how many times couples come to us and they they come to us when they are filing for divorce. It's like, why are you just now coming? Well, number one, they're trying to hide it because many times, I believe more often than not, there's not just biblical reason for what they're doing. There's not adultery. There's not abuse. They just come to this place where like, oh, we were young and we got married and we've just grown apart. You know, or he doesn't love me like I deserve, or she doesn't do this, or she doesn't do that, or I deserve to be married to somebody who's on a higher spiritual plane than me. Hear all these things. Um, yada, yada, yada. You're just being seduced by the darkness. That's all it is. What's a short, short-term reward? Uh, you escape a little bit of that conflict that you, you've been sick and tired of. That, that's your short-term reward. Long-term consequences, well, you've broken covenant, and that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. It's going to be tough. Um, You're going to be alone. Unfortunately, you may not think so, but you're still going to have the same issues in your own heart that you had before, that you're still going to have to confront. Uh, Your children are now twice as likely to walk in your path. It's looking at the immediate, the rewards of the immediate, instead of stopping and looking at the long-term. Many people are seduced by darkness, toward the darkness, because of relationships. And that's why 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Solomon was told this. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? We are the light. And so when we, when we are unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, they're bringing, trying to bring darkness into the light. Trust me, one's going to give. And guess what? They're not receiving the light you're receiving the darkness. Are you walking in unforgiveness, holding bitterness against somebody? Well, First John two eleven says, "Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and he doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes." Guys, we are blinded by the darkness all the time. We're seduced. We've got to learn to be on guard when we're seduced by the darkness. And, and look. When we begin to take steps, we take even one step toward the darkness. It becomes a very slippery slope, doesn't it? Because of our social climate today, the social climate of our culture. Are you finding yourself getting angry at people with certain views? Are you buying into all that bad mouth and name-calling uh, because of what you consider to be righteous? Being seduced by the darkness. I've heard people say it. Well, I, I, have, I, I have to fight for what is right. I'm not name calling. I'm, calling I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. What's the world coming to? This is so ridiculous. Guys, don't be seduced by the darkness. We've got to remember that Ephesians 6.12 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We aren't of this world. We don't war in the physical. Earth is not the place that we fight. When we get to that place, we're being seduced by the darkness. When we're blowing up and getting angry and telling people off, just seduced by the darkness. Our battle is not with anybody else. No matter what they've done to us, our battle is not with them. It's with the darkness. Do we get this? We've got to open our eyes and not be deceived because the light always overcomes the darkness. The question is, are you going to walk in the light or are you going to walk in the darkness? I'm going to show, uh, show one, last, uh, one last clip here before I go into the, go into the last point. Um, that was actually who you saw in there. That was Kylo Ren, who had been turned to the dark side, and he's reaching out for Luke's for Luke's lightsaber. And you saw that uh, it flew into into Ray's hand. And we have to understand that the light always overcomes the darkness. We have to flee the darkness and stop being stop being seduced by it, and, and instead go after the light. And I believe this is much of the reason the Church of Jesus today is so defeated and pitiful. Because we have opened the door to so much darkness. We've made excuses for it. You know, I think that we've been seduced to the point that we've bought into a lie. And as the church, I think many of us, we don't even know who we are anymore. Back to Ephesians 5, 8. We read a minute ago. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. This is a decision that we make. Which brings me to my last point, number three. Repentance is the path to the light. Guys, this is something we don't talk about nearly enough in the church today. Repentance. Repentance. Is the path to the light. Man, we hate the word repentance. Whew. But let me tell you the fact that God gave us the ability to repent, should put a smile on our faces, it's a gift of God. 1 John 1:5 again, the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. So let me reemphasize my point from the beginning again, understanding, once again, that God is light, right? Not that he loves the light or chooses to live in the light, he is the light, and the one thing that can't be present in the light is darkness. So let me take you to Revelation 3.16 real quick. Says, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Well, I don't know about y'all, but that is a scary scripture to me. That's one that should make us tremble a little bit. Should make us look at our lives. What's going on in this passage? What's really happening is we're trying to hold on to the darkness within us while walking into the light. Why does God reject those walking in darkness? I mean, many people going to hell, right? Why does God reject those walking in darkness? My personal belief is that the way we look at this is light and dark. This is more a law of nature. It's, it's more a law of God than it is a conscious decision where he's like, I, I don't think that when we get to heaven at judgment, he's going to be like, oh, let me weigh this out for a minute. What did you? Oh, you did do that good thing. That's right. Mm. I don't believe there, he's going to be doing this whole thing. I don't believe there's going to be any negotiation. I don't believe it's going to be anything like that. What happens when darkness is brought into the light? It's expelled. I believe we live this life in Darkness. And we stand before him on judgment day, we, we will be absolutely expelled from the light because there's no place for light in darkness. There's going to be no negotiation. It's a law. If there's a shadow right here and I shine a bright light on it, that shadow is gone instantly. It's gone. There's no negotiating between the darkness and the light. Please, can I stick around? Huh? Do I have to completely go away? I'm all, you know, I'm, no, no, It's gone. When we're pursuing the light, that, I, I, we are to be pursuing the light. What is the path to the light? The path to the light is repentance. And that's what we've got to do when we receive Christ, but that's something that we don't ever emphasize. Luke 13.3 says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. That's one of those if-then statements. If we repent, then our sins will be forgiven. What's the prerequisite to salvation? It's repentance. What is repentance? The Greek word translated repentance in the New Testament means to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. You recognize that when we raise our hand and say, yes, I want to accept Jesus as Lord of my life, I want to surrender, this is exactly what we're doing. It says when that happens, if you're doing it with the right heart and the right attitude, that there will be a complete change in thought and attitude in your life in regard to sin and righteousness. Three times Ezekiel said to the children of Israel in in Ezekiel 14, 6, therefore say to the people of Israel, this is God, he says that this is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent, turn from your idols, renounce all your detestable practices. Turn from the darkness so that you can be received into the light. But man, we'd like to hold on to that darkness. We hide things away in our hearts. We hide from everybody else. We hide from our family. We hide from the church. We just got it all together. But we got this darkness that we're hiding. And we have no desire whatsoever to allow God to come in and shine his light on that. Um, Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Guys, this means that we don't expose, I mean, I'm sorry, that we don't hide the darkness, not even within ourselves. You look at the Psalms, look at David as he's crying out to God to bring correction to his heart. If we're surrendered to Jesus, then we're willing to do whatever it takes to turn from darkness into the light. People say, well, you know, it's nobody else's business what I'm going through. I, I don't share my business with anybody. Let me tell you what. You're being seduced by the darkness. If your heart is truly after God, you're going to have a desire to have those things exposed in the light of God. I know it's hard, but you're going to have that desire because you want to walk in the light. It's going to eat you up inside the things that you're walking out that you know are contrary to God's will. Um, the best thing we can ever do is to be honest, to repent, to expose the things in our hearts, to turn from it, to get direction and accountability, to let somebody close to the Lord give us advice and counsel and direction and, and correction. 1 John 117, 1.17 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship of one another and the, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. This is saying, but if we walk in the light, this is when we repent of our sins and we follow Jesus. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I believe this simply means that because we have turned from the darkness into the light, we can now be received into the kingdom of God. Each one of us, all together, is part of God's family. And it says, "Then the blood of Then the blood of Jesus covers, cleanses our sins." As I don't I don't mean to be heavy. My, my problem is what really has been bugging me for a while is I believe there are many people, many people out there today that call themselves Christians, and they have never repented of their sins and turned to God. I think it's been one of the biggest mistakes uh, of the church in the last 20, 25 years. We haven't talked enough about repentance. And these people have no intention of changing. I, I prayed the prayer. I received Jesus. I go to church once a month. What? Have never made a change in their life and turned from God. And let me tell you, that, is, that is a, I, I'm not going to make a call on where you're at. God is just, but I would say I I am fearful for those people out there. Many people walk into church, and they pray a prayer of surrender to Jesus. They got their get out of hell free card, but leave the church exactly as they came. They walk out. And trust me, they're not going to receive correction what do you mean I can't live with my girlfriend anymore? What do you mean I got to quit cheating? What do you mean I got to quit abusing? What do you mean I got to quit? I got to quit. I got to quit. No, 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 no. If you've surrendered to Jesus, then the desire of your heart is to please him and to honor him. And you're going to begin to pursue that and you're going to begin to make change. But the problem is people have no intention of changing today because their heart isn't surrendered to God. God. They've bought into the darkness. They've been convinced into praying a prayer they believe gave them a get out of hell free card. And that's all it is. It's worth as much as monopoly money is. People say, well, well no one's perfect, brother. Of course not. Of course not. But let me tell you, if you're not grieved by the sin in your life, We all do it. We all mess it up. We all jack it up. We all have thoughts that we shouldn't have. We all do things we shouldn't do sometimes. But it should grieve your heart. You should be like, oh man, I've got to stop. If you're not willing to begin to make steps toward it, I would stop and ask you is your heart surrendered to Him? Because you're being seduced by the darkness when you think, I'm okay. I prayed a prayer. I'm good. That's seduced by the darkness. First John 1 John 1.6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John 3.19 says, and this is judgment. Everybody, 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 everybody sees the judgment as this scary moment where we come and we stand before God, right? What's he going to say? What's he going to say? This is actually who is judged and what happens. The, here's, and this is judgment, that the light is coming to the world. That's Jesus and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil, they're going to have a scary day when they stand there for judgment. They love the darkness rather than the light, and their works were evil. We cannot follow God in word only. I mean, go, if you're witnessing to people, you can't go up and ask them, hey, are you a Christian? They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I believe in God, man, yeah, yeah. Everybody, it's something I read something like 80-some percent of Americans claim to be Christian. Oh, yeah. Well, how do you know you're, say, uh, I, I went to church with my grandma growing up. I was baptized in Lutheran Church when I was, you know, four, I, you know. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. We can't follow God in word only. We got to follow him in deed. Well, people say, well, we're not saved by works. Of course we're not saved by works. We aren't saved because we do good. We do good because we're saved. The doing good is the evidence that our heart was truly surrendered to God. We made that decision. We're willing to turn from our ways. We're willing to make change. We're willing to admit that I'm imperfect, but I'm following Jesus. And I'm trying hard to do things his way. Amen. Guys, people should be able to see the light of God in our life. They should know that something's different about us because of the works, because of the words that come out of our mouth, and because of our attitudes, and because of our reactions to situations, people should know that something's different. We should be responding differently than they should. Again, doesn't mean we got it all together, but we're trying. We're going after it. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Say, that's me. Amen. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good, what? Works. Works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. People say, well, God knows my heart. Nobody around you knows your heart. Everybody says here that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. It's by the things that come out of us. What is our life producing? What would the people around us think? I had somebody come up to me at high school. I showed up, I think, for see with at the pole or something one year. And somebody, a girl, looked at me and goes, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. And I was like, man, that's just like, <sighs> I'm not a good follower of Jesus. Nobody knows I'm a Christian. But really, that should grieve our hearts if somebody says that. Our world is getting, getting dark, but in the darkness, the light shines even brighter. We are to be shining beacons, lighthouses, hope, lighthouses of hope that's pointing to Jesus, that city on a hill at night that's shining, and everything's attracted to it, right? I, I don't know how many of you are getting sick of it like I am, but man, my, my porch light bulbs are just covered in bugs this time of year. <laughs> Not that I'm calling everybody outside the church bugs. Bugs. <laughs> But, but they should be attracted to the light, the light in you, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus. We pursue the light, and we don't give any room to the seduction of darkness. I believe there's folks here today that are in darkness. I believe there's some of us that have been seduced by the darkness. And repentance is a gift. Each day that we wake up and take a breath is a gift. And I would say that today is your day. You know what's, if you go back and you study all the great revivals through history of the church, you know what they started with? They started with repentance. People fell on their face before God and repented. And revival would break out. The spirit of God would move in a powerful way we don't have nearly enough repentance today. I invite you to examine your life. Are you walking more in the light or are you walking more in the darkness? You know, you can probably fool people around you, but you know where you're at. Let's stand together. I want the worship team to come up as we, as we close service. But guys, I want you to truly, I, let, I just want everybody just to bow their heads, close their eyes for just a minute. And I, I truly want you to examine your heart for just a minute. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come up on the sides, our, our elders, to come up. And they're, they're going to be over here on the sides by the steps on either side of the stage. And with every eye closed, guys, if I cannot stress to you the importance of repentance. My first thing to you, if you're here and you recognize that your life is not surrendered to Jesus, look, you know. You know. I ask people sometimes, is, are you following Jesus? Have you, have you surrendered? How's your relationship with the Lord? Like, oh, it's, it's good, I think. No, 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 no. You know. You know down deep inside. Is your heart surrendered to him? Have you made the choice to walk, at least begin to walk out of the darkness and into his marvelous light? Have you begun to put the past aside, recognizing that the belonging that you seek is ahead and not behind? Have you opened up yourself to, the, to the, the fact that you can't keep living the same way that you did. You can't keep living a selfless life. Surrender means you give everything. You lift up your hands, just like if somebody was pointing a gun at you. You lift up your hands and say, I, I surrender. Take it all. Everything is yours. But that's what we say to God, not because he forces us to, because he surrendered everything for us. He gave everything. And so we give everything to him in return. We recognize the great love that he poured out. The least we can do is lay down our life for him and follow him. If every eye closes, that's you. And you would say, I've I got to repent today. You may have been a believer your entire life, but you recognize that you've never truly repented and changed that, the, the thought and the attitude of your life towards sin. Who in here would say, I need to make an attitude change in my heart? Raise up your hand so I can see it. Who would say, I need to make that attitude change? Yeah, who else would say, I need to repent I have got to change some ways. I've got to surrender more fully. I've got to turn more holy to God. I'm tired of living the way I did. I'm tired of being defeated and pitiful. I'm going to recognize who I am and who I serve. Anybody else? It would say I need to repent today. Guys, we're going to pray a prayer, and we're going to pray it together like we always do, and it's going to be a prayer of salvation, but I want you to buy into it. I want you to turn your heart toward the Lord as we speak these words, recognizing it's not about the words. It's about the position of your heart. You're saying, when we say these words, you're saying, God, I surrender. My life now belongs to you. I know I can't live the same way. I know I can't do things the same way I did before. I'm going to follow in the steps of Jesus from this day forward. I'm going to be open to the correction of the Lord. I'm going to be that shining beacon people around me are going to know that I'm a follower of Jesus that's what it means we pray this together if you mean it in your heart everything will change let's all say this together dear God I am so thankful for Jesus without him I am such a failure I am so defeated But today, I recognize that Jesus, you are the light. You're the light of my life. You're the light of the world. You loved me so much that you willingly laid down your life. You willingly died in my place. Today, I call you my light. I call you my master. I call you my savior. I call you my Messiah, lead and guide my life. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for rejecting you. I'll follow you from this day forward. Lead me and guide me into all truth that I may further your kingdom and be that shining beacon in the world. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything. That you've called me to be. I thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 662- or toll free at 866-383-8277